Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to Sunday sermons from Southside Christian Fellowship. We would love to hear how God has blessed your life. Reach out to us through social media or email us at scfellowshipchurch at gmail.com. Sometimes it seems like our prayers have not been answered. Sometimes that frustration can build so much that we can lose sight of the future. We lose sight of the past. We lose sight of what's already been done for us. We begin to believe the half-truths of the enemy. We start to doubt who we are and what God has done for us and will do through us. We gotta remember that our testimony is something that's built over time. The more experiences we have, the more testimony we're gonna build. Are you looking for an answer to prayer that just doesn't seem to come? Are you frustrated because you constantly feel like you're not achieving your goals or that your life is meaningless? These are lies from our enemy. He uses slivers of truth to throw us off the path to Jesus. But if we'll change our perspective from the natural to the spiritual, then we'll begin to see the schemes of the enemy. We'll also see the world the way Jesus sees it. In today's message, we'll take a look at how Jesus tells us to respond to the actions of this world and how we can stay focused on his mission despite our circumstances. You know, I talked to you about exposing the enemy a few weeks ago. And for me, it was one of the most eye-opening times I'd spent with the Lord. He really downloaded a lot in me, and I didn't realize how the enemy had been moving within Georgia, Henry County, the state of uh, the United States of America, and all over the world. And when he showed me the scripture in Genesis, I'd read it many times about the serpent coming to Eve and, you know, deceiving her. I never really realized how he used a, a sliver of truth, though. And I shared with you that he said to Eve, did God say you shouldn't eat from uh, any of the trees or all the trees? And she said, whoa, no, 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 that's not what he said. See, sliver of truth. And so I see that nowadays, all of a sudden my eyes are just being opened to all of these different slivers of truth that Satan has taken and he has twisted it just enough. And today I want to focus on the testimonies that we build because I think that Satan even gets in there and tries to twist our testimonies in our own lives. He tries to convince us that what we saw and what we experienced didn't really happen or there's another explanation for it. And I think what happened last Sunday is so important in a Christian's life. God constantly went back to the Israelites and reminded them what he had done for them in Egypt. He constantly reminded them about the crossing of the Red Sea and the Promised Land. Why? Because he needed them to remember the good things that he had done for them. Revelations tells us that they overcame Satan by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony loving not their own lives unto death. I find it interesting it doesn't say that they overcame him by a tremendous knowledge of the Scripture. It doesn't say that they knew the Old Testament like the back of their hand. It doesn't say that they performed many acts and miracles. It doesn't say anything in there except the blood of the Lamb, which has already been shed for us, and the word of our testimony. We had a meeting a couple weeks ago with a group talking about the issues that we hear in the media and what's going on in our nation, we all agreed that people are crying out, even if they don't know why they're crying out. Their spirit is longing for a savior, even if they don't realize that's what they're longing for. And what we discussed was how do we respond as individuals and how do we respond as a church? And the message was the same. We came back to Matthew 22 
starting in verse 37. It says, and he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and foremost commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend the whole law and the prophets. Notice in verse 40 right there it says, on these two commandments depend the whole law and the prophets. What Jesus is telling us right there is, if you'll just, if you'll just focus on these two commandments, everything else will line up. You won't have to worry about, did you do this? Did you do that? Check this box. Check that box. If you will love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, and you'll love your neighbors yourself, it will encompass everything else that God wants us to do because it's all about what? It's all about love. It's all about the love of Christ. When we read about Jesus, he didn't come to embarrass anybody. He didn't come to talk down to the Pharisees and Sadducees. He didn't come to call anybody out except for the sake of love, to show them the right way, to show them what this was all about. The Bible is a group of texts pointing us towards the true uh, meaning of life, and that is love. Jesus came down to be loved for us, to show us how to love our neighbor as ourself. I received a text from a friend uh, Monday a couple weeks ago that kind of kicked all this off. And he gave me permission to use some of it. I won't use it all, but <laughs> the first thing he started out with is he said, he said, I just felt like the Lord wanted me to share with you how my day went, and I don't really know why, so I'm just going to share with you. He said, I started out this morning. It was a beautiful morning. I brewed me a nice cup of coffee, sat out on the porch, was drinking my cup of coffee and enjoyed it, got to the last sip and realized there was a slug in the bottom of my cup. And then he said, and that was the highlight of my day. <laughs> Whoa. As he begins to lay out this text, which was super long, I've been a Christian for a long time now. I get to hear stories. I get to hear testimonies. I'm getting excited. If it started out with a slug in the bottom of the cup and it's getting worse, there must be light at the end of the tunnel. I'm waiting for the big delivery. God is going to just move so mightily. He's going to tell me what God did for him to bring him through and to encourage him. And he keeps going and talking about this happened and that happened and this happened and that happened. And I get to the end of the text and there is no finish to the testimony. There is no God did this for me at the end of it. Now, he didn't send it to complain to me. He didn't send it asking me for any advice. He sent it because he said God, he felt God told me I needed to hear that and I needed, he needed to share with me. And I thought about that and I replied back to him and I encouraged him, told him not to lose hope, not to lose faith. And I said, and whether you realize this or not, you are hearing God because I had had a really bad day or, or so I thought until I read that. You see, I had major issues because I couldn't get a modem to connect to the internet properly, and I'd fought with it most of the morning. It was annoying. It was irritating. That was a horrible day. If you don't understand the slight sarcasm in what I'm saying here, let me just let you know that's not a major problem. So boo-hoo, I had some computer issues. This guy's got a slug in his coffee, and that's the highlight of his day. I mean, that's, I'll take the computer issues every day. And I told him, I said, just so you know, God's using you to tell me to suck it up, buttercup. <laughs> to suck it up, buttercup. So I'm sorry that you're going through this, but just have faith. And he agreed. And then he also put something in there that I've started using. And I told him, I said, I'm, I'm just going to do like we did in education. You never steal anything because stealing is wrong. You just borrow it and repurpose it, you know. So let me borrow it and repurpose it. He said in order to, he said to quote or rather to correct Nietzsche, he said, that which doesn't kill me has made a gross tactical error. 
And I thought, you know, man, that is very profound. Think about that for a minute. Satan is out to kill, steal, and destroy, correct? So we ought to be approaching life anytime we go through a trial or tribulation to say, you know what, Satan, you made a mistake because that which doesn't kill me, Satan, you've made a gross tactical error because I'm coming back full bear for you. Two days later, we were getting ready for that meeting, and I was getting a little nervous because we're talking about some sensitive material. These are subjects that appeal to people's hearts. I've avoided those subjects most of my life because I just feel like there's other things we can talk about. It turns out that right now it seems God wants to talk about the sensitive nature stuff. He wants to talk about his people. He wants to talk about how they're hurting and what we can do for them. And so I was kind of stressing about that. I wanted to communicate properly. I wanted to communicate what God had laid on my heart. But I didn't want to offend anybody. I didn't want to run anybody off from the church. I wanted their input. And so I had another friend who calls me from time to time and just kind of speaks in my life. And I just walked in um, from playing golf, you know, another tough morning. It's okay. You can laugh. Every once in a while, we do get to have some fun and get outside. I just walked in playing golf. And to be honest with you, while I'm laughing about that, uh, you know, I do use that time to connect with dad, to get mentored and minister to, and to get out in, outside and just kind of get alone for a little bit. So, so we really do use that time to kind of get closer to each other and closer to God. And so if he'd have called me any time during that, I wouldn't have taken the call. That's just one of the practices I have. I just don't take calls during that time because that's some time that God's downloading in me and, and, and to dad and, and a lot of times Josh and so I just walked into the office, put my stuff down, and the phone rang, and it was him. It was my friend. And I answered, and I said, man, your timing is impeccable. And he began to share with me and just read my mail, if you will. And he talked a lot about how uh, I just needed to be encouraged that what God had put on my heart was what he wanted on my heart, and I needed to be brave and to share it. And he just began to keep saying things like this. I haven't talked to the guy in a few weeks, and he didn't know what I was doing that night. He didn't know about the meeting. He didn't know about the sensitive nature of the material. He just began to lay it out, and I stopped him in the middle of it. I wouldn't even let him finish. I said, Matt, just stop right there, man. Just stop talking. I said, why did you call me? I was very short about it, you know, confrontational. Why did you call me right now? He said, well, i got to be honest with you. I was just kind of working around the church here, and I don't know. God just kind of said, hey, go up to your office, sit down at your desk, and give Herman a call. <laughs> he said, so I did. I said, man, you just have no idea what you've just done for me. You have, you have encouraged me. You have spoken in my life. Why am I telling you this? Because these are some of the testimonies that are happening to me right now. Every time I start to shy away from a sensitive conversation or I start to doubt what God has laid on my heart and start to believe that maybe it's not what God has said, all of a sudden somebody calls and they say, you know, I don't know why I'm calling you except to say that God told me to, and this is what he downloaded in my heart. A few weeks ago, I had another uh, gentleman, a friend of mine that called, and he said, man, I don't know why, but God's just laying this out, and he begins to read a scripture. And as he's doing it, I said, you, you're not going to believe this. But five minutes before, let me read to you exactly what I wrote. And I, I'm reading word for word what he just said. And, and God is just sending people to, to bolster my faith. Why am I telling you this? Because I want to talk to you today even more about testimony. Sometimes it doesn't seem like our testimony is there. Sometimes it seems like our prayers have not been answered. Sometimes that frustration can build so much that we can lose sight of the future. And I didn't put it on here, but God reminded me this morning that we lose sight of the past. We lose sight of what's already been done for us. 
We begin to believe the half-truths of the enemy. We start to doubt who we are and what God has done for us and will do through us. We got to remember that our testimony is something that's built over time. The more experiences we have, the more testimony we're going to build. We see that struggle. We see the frustration. We feel it. We experience it. You know, there are people here that are still looking for answers for prayer today. The answer to your prayer has not shown up. And the enemy will try to weasel his way in and drive a wedge between you and your faith in God and Jesus Christ. He will try to convince you that what you've experienced is not real, that there's a way to explain it away. Our enemy sees God, knows he's a threat, and tries to keep us separated from him as much as possible. He does this by telling us the opposite of what our Lord and Savior tells us. He says things like Christians are bigoted, homophobic, supremacist, etc. You hear that in the news all the time. Why? Because we stand up for what God stands for, and we don't accept behaviors. We don't accept sins. And Satan twists the minds of the people, and they begin to say, well, if you don't accept me for everything I stand for and believe, you must be against me, and therefore you are bigoted, hateful, vengeful, everything that you're not. But that's the way the world spins it. Why? Because that's the way Satan has weaved his, his web. That's the way he has burrowed his way into our minds. That's why it's so important that we fellowship together. That's why it's so important that we encourage each other. That's why it's so important that we read that Bible, whether we understand everything in it or not. That's why it is important that we continually try to grow closer and closer to our God because the closer we get to him, the more we're going to spot the tactics of the enemy. And that's what we're talking about here. I grew up and I'd hear my friends talk about second place is just first loser. We took Eddie to baseball at five and six years old and there were kids that were playing on three baseball teams. And if you listen to their parents talk, you thought the Atlanta Braves were scouting them right there. They were going to sign a contract at the end of that game at six years old. Winning is so important. Being the best is so important. That's what Satan wants us to believe. Money is the key to all happiness. You heard dad talk about the fact that he told it Friday night again. He talked about him and Grandam being in front of people, and, and he said, Grandam told everybody that me and Eddie know we've had all these things. We've experienced all these things, and it's just not fulfilling the way God is. And Daddy said, I'll confess. I thought to myself immediately, no, Dad, you have had all those things, and you've experienced all those things. I have not. I want to. But then he'll tell you that once he did experience those things, what happened? It didn't fulfill anything he thought it would fill. You talk to people that have wealth all the time, and they'll tell you, I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, they will tell you that the wealth is not enough. It never seems to fill that void. The people that are crying out on the streets today that are protesting, that are, that are toppling statues, that are graffitiing things, that are screaming out and having violence, one of the reasons they're doing that is there's a hole. There is a void in their life, and they don't know what to do to fill it, and so they're filling it any way they can. And they're listening to what other men are saying to them and they're influenced by our enemy. We have to show them the right way. We have to show them how to fill that void in their life. This is another one you hear all the time. You can be anything you want to be. You can do anything you want to do. 
You can accomplish anything you set your mind to if you just believe in you. Now, sometimes they leave that last part out. Why? Because a lot of people cringe at that and go, whoa, I can't just believe in me. But yet we still buy into the other philosophies. We still believe we can do anything we set our mind to. But we're missing a key ingredient there. We're missing a key part to that. The Bible says in Philippians, I can do all things through Christ. Not I can do all things through Herman. I can do all things through Christ. The Bible says to ask, seek, and knock. We talk about that scripture all the time. And James goes one step further and he says, you have not because you ask not. And when you do ask, you ask of selfish motivation. You see, God will answer every prayer you have so long as your heart lines up with his. Now, I will give you a little side, side nugget here. I believe that sometimes God does answer the prayers of your heart, even if they don't line up with him, simply to help reveal himself to you. I used to tell the youth all the time growing up, you may pray for a Lamborghini, and God may bless you with that Lamborghini. And they go, yes. I said, but you got to put gas in that Lamborghini, and you got to buy insurance for that Lamborghini, and you got to get that Lamborghini repaired when you wreck it. We think we know what we need. We've got to get closer to the Father's heart to know what he wants. And as he lays into us what he wants, then our heart becomes his heart. His heart becomes our heart, and then anything we ask will happen. Anything we seek, we're going to find, and any door we knock on is going to be open, guaranteed. Like without question. But that's the key. It's got to be in Christ's power. I was watching a video the other night, and it kind of messed with me because they were showing me a scripture where Jesus had come into the land, uh, into the city. He had healed many people. And then he went away the next day and kind of recovered, recuperated, spent some time with the Father. And then he came back in the city again, and they were lining up ready to go for healing again. Let's go, round two, let's go. And Jesus told the disciples, we got to move on. We got to go on. And I told Dad, I said, I don't understand. Why wouldn't Jesus stay there and heal them all the time? Why wouldn't he heal everybody for everything? And the reality is Jesus wasn't just coming to heal people. There is an eternal healing coming. There is a forever healing coming. We're all going to be healed at some point in our life. But you see, he came to reveal his heart. He came to reveal himself. He came to reveal love. We have to be careful and not think that just because we're sick or hurting that God is putting that on us. We have to keep our eyes focused on the the Lord. We can't stop what he's doing through us. How many times have you ministered to from somebody with a disability or going through pain or in need of healing themselves, but yet the words they speak, the things they tell you minister to you and lift you up? Why? Because they haven't stopped. They haven't let that ailment of their human fleshly body stop them from God's purpose, which is to love others, which is to tell the world about Jesus. That's the ultimate goal. You see, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were ready for that fire. They believed God would save them. They trusted God could save them. And they said, but even if he didn't save us from this fire, we know he's still with us. You may not have the healing you're looking for today. My first point to you would be don't give up. Don't let the enemy weasel in and say you'll never get your healing. Because that's what I found myself kind of looking at through this video, and I was talking to Dad about it. It started messing with me a little bit, and I started thinking, well, maybe there are times we won't get healed. And I feel like God was saying, that's not my point. My point is we get trapped by whatever ails our body, and we start focusing on nothing but what's ailing us, and we forget to do our job as Christians. And God's saying, don't give up on your healing, but don't let it stop you from the true mission. 
Just because Miss Pat passed away doesn't mean that, that she didn't do what God asked her to do. She loved people. She constantly told people about Jesus. She didn't let any ailment stop her from the ultimate mission, which was to spread the word of God everywhere she went. Too many times we allow our ailments to stop us from spreading the word of God. And then we allow it to creep into our minds and start doubting ourselves. Well, I haven't gotten healed yet, so maybe I'm wrong on this healing thing. That's a lie from the enemy. We can't allow these thoughts to take over our bodies. We can't allow these thoughts to take over our mind. We have to trust in God. You see, what happens is as Christians, we make a commitment to our Lord and Savior. We say, we, we know your ways are better. We've bought in hook, line, and sinker. We realize we need something in our life, and it's you. But then our flesh creeps in, and we forget that commitment that we made. And we try to chase those same things in the world that made us happy before we knew Jesus. And it never makes us happy. In fact, it only makes us sick. And I'm not talking about a physical sickness. I'm talking about a spiritual sickness right now. Because your body is now on track with Jesus. And the only thing that will make it grow and feel better, its healthy diet is spiritual food. And if you keep pumping the fleshly food in it, trying to feed your spirit, then you're just, your spirit's going to die. It's not going to grow like it's supposed to. That's why when we are trying to do the things the world's way, it never feels right. It never sits right in our spirit. That's why when you have kids that grew up in a Christian household never feel right, even if they haven't totally sold out to God because they're surrounded by, they're surrounded by God. They're surrounded by that spirit. And so the spirit that's around them doesn't line up with what the world's doing. And even though they might not understand why they're crying out, even though they might not understand why they're not having a good time, they will. So even though our world doesn't understand, they think they understand why they're crying out. They think it's all just about equality or rights, but it's something deeper. And, and guess what? Can I share something with you? Even if today's demand was met, there'd be another demand tomorrow. And if tomorrow's demand was met, there'd be another demand the day after, and another after, and another after, and another after. It will never end. Satan will constantly put in our minds something else that's not right. And the only thing that will fix that is the Spirit. The only thing that will fix that is Jesus Christ. The only thing that will fix that is God. You're unhappy because your flesh craves the things of this world, but your spirit can only live off the things of God. So let's look at what God told us to do. Something else I was reading was a group of pastors that have come together that have, that have joined forces to protect their houses of worship. And I got to talking about that, to dad about that. I said, don't sit right with me. I don't understand that. And I think, I, I think it's because this building is just that. Th this is not the true house of worship. Th that's not the actual cross that Jesus died on. These are all symbols that remind us of our God and our Savior. The church is us, inside of us. So wherever we meet, guess what? That's where the church is. And the only way to destroy that is to kill every last one of us. And Satan's trying. So how do we respond? How do we continue to build that testimony? It's got to be in love. Let's look at some of the ways Jesus tells us to respond to the enemy and his tactics. Do not worry then saying what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear for clothing. For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. 
But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Sometimes we need to define the difference between a need and a want. Sometimes we want a lot and we convince ourselves that it's a need. God's telling you all you need here and he'll meet it. The Israelites wandered the desert for 40 years and he provided food every day. Manna from heaven. He provided it every day. Now they thought their need was something better than that and they kept saying it was better back in slavery in Egypt. But it wasn't. Our job is to seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. Let's see what else he says. We've got to put on our spiritual glasses. We've got to see things through God's eyes. Uh, we can't see this world only through our natural eyes. It's not a natural world. It may seem like a natural world. It's a spiritual world. And we've got to see this world through spiritual eyes from God's perspective. Okay, here's another perspective he has. Let's go to Matthew chapter 5. It says, you've heard that it was said... An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. I think I've already confessed to you and I've told you my heart's truth, which is I love the revenge action movie. I get frustrated with the Rocky movies because the good guy gets beat up the whole time till the last five minutes. And I got to sit through him getting beat up the whole time till he finally wins. I want to see the guy kicking tail from start to finish. Back in the day, we, we watched a movie called Blade. Blade was all about vampires and, and things like that. And the, one of the first scenes he goes, and there's just blood everywhere. I mean, it's blood everywhere. I loved it. It was awesome. I didn't say it was biblical. I didn't say it was, you know, God was okay with that. This was back in the day, all right? But there's blood everywhere. You look at Blade, not a drop on him. I'm talking that black outfit was just super shiny and clean. That's what I like. I want to know when I go in against the enemy, not even a drop of blood is going to get spilled on me, even though there's mass mayhem going on in there, okay? So what does God say? He says, you've heard it said an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Yeah, come on. But I say to you, whoa, no, come on, Lord. Don't, don't mess this up now. It was pretty good back then with the eye for eye. Come on. Jesus said, but I say to you, do not resist an evil person, but whoever slaps you on your right cheek Turn the other to him also. Now think about that for just a minute. Have you ever been slapped? I got slapped one time. My uncle, bless his heart, and if you ever watch this Uncle Brick, I understand you didn't mean to. I didn't know it then, but I understand it now. But he was going to play around with me, and he was going to just slap his hand. You ever done that before? You know, make the sound, get close to the person, just pop. He, he missed his hand. He got my face. I'm talking full slap. I'm the weight of it, because he was going to make a really loud pop, and he miscalculated. I cried a little bit. Okay, I cried a lot. Well, it broke my uncle's heart. He actually just walked away. I never knew this because he never addressed it again, and, and it just broke his heart, so he didn't know what to do. He walked away, and I think he went and kind of cried himself because he just that was not his intention. But I want you to know, I still remember that slap. That slap hurt badly, and God's saying, there are people that are slapping you across the face. You know what I want you to do about it? I want you to turn the other cheek. Let them slap the other one too. What? Let them slap the other one, God. Okay, well, let's keep going. If anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, let him have your coat also. Yeah, but he did me wrong. It doesn't matter. Why? What's he trying to show? Love. Love. Whoever forces you to go one mile, go with him too. 
Give to him who asks of you and do not turn away from him who wants to borrow from you. He starts out in the beginning talking about do not resist an evil person. I mean, this is what Jesus is telling us. Let's go further. Let's look, let's look some more in Matthew chapter 5. You've heard that it was said. Here we go again. You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? If you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? Therefore, you are to be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. He says he causes his son to rise on the evil and the good. You know, a lot of times I classify sin, I categorize wrongdoing. If it's gross or horrible to me, it must be gross and horrible to God. But God's saying, look, let me tell you something. Sin separates you from me no matter what the sin is. No matter how small you think it is, no matter how large you think it is. And hey, buddy boy, just so you know, that guy you think is evil and that you hate, I died for him too. I walked this earth for him too. I took all the punishment on me for him too, so you better watch out. You need to pray for him. You need to love him. He didn't say anything in here about accepting his ways and his values. He said, love and pray for him. Give to them. This is how Jesus responds to things going on in the world. This is what he's telling us. Let me, let me just quickly show you a few more that I know you've heard before. The first shall be last, and the last shall be first. That's not the way man says it. A camel has a better chance of passing through the eye of a needle than a rich man does of getting into heaven. You know, I've been telling some people that I feel like it's harder to be a Christian in America than anywhere else. I'm not saying that it's more persecution. I'm saying it's harder from the standpoint of what I just read to you. We're a very rich nation. And here's Jesus saying, it's not impossible for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven, but it's not easy. It's easier for this camel to go through the eye of a needle than it is for a rich man to enter, a heaven, enter, enter heaven. So when I tell you we have a mission field right here, when we see everybody crying out in the streets, we have a need right here in America to show the love of God, to show people what they really need. I can do all things through Christ, not through Herman. Jesus told us when we did it to the least of these, we did it unto him. And then again, the simplified version, love the Lord and love your neighbor. Those, those are the two commandments. I'm going to finish here in just a second. I'll wrap it all up. But last week was quite powerful for me too because I, I just heard the heart of people. But more importantly, I heard the heart of God through people. They were all testifying to what God had done for them. Let me tell you one more little, little thing that's happened to me over the last week. I got to have a good conversation with a, a gentleman that's a pretty devout Catholic and actually knew his history, and we could have a conversation uh, about some of the beliefs that he had. And through that conversation, it reminded me about the Apocrypha, and if you don't know about the Apocrypha, it's just several books of, the, uh, of uh, Old, I don't guess Old Testament, several books that were not included in our Bibles. They're not in the canon. Now, the Catholics do include a few of those, those other versions. And so as I got doing research on that and studying that, um, one of the things that I read was that one of the reasons they don't include it in the Bible is because, not because it's necessarily wrong, it's just more historical. And all of a sudden my eyes got open a little bit and they said, you know, the Bible helps point us to God, helps point us to, to Jesus. And so I read another gentleman, he said, when I was in college, my professor, he said, pick any book of the Apocrypha, read it, and then read John and you tell me what you get from it. 
So being convinced that if I read it, I wouldn't go to hell, and if I read it, I wouldn't necessarily lose my salvation, I did pick a book and I read it. And I began to read, I think it was First Maccabees, and I realized, ah, everything I read in there was about what the Maccabees had done. There wasn't a whole lot of glorification of God. There wasn't a whole lot of look back to God. And you think about John. Here's John who's doing great things, and he's telling everybody what? He's saying, hey, you think I'm doing some great things. There's, there's one greater than me right, right around the corner here. He's coming right behind me. Don't look to me. Look to God. And that's what I'm telling you today. We got we to understand that we can't look to me and we. We got to look to God. We got to understand what those scriptures say. And so I just want to encourage you. Our job is not just to come in here and get all we can. Our job is to take everything we can out to the world. We don't need to just tell people about our Lord and Savior we need to show them about our Lord and Savior. We don't need to just tell them about the love of our God. We need to show them the love of our God. We need to help people through our actions as well as our words. I just want to encourage you. You know, think about this. Why is it that when you are, are sick, God will ask you to go pray for somebody else that's sick? And through that prayer, you get healed. If you ever had a financial need and God tells you to give money to somebody, and you're going, Lord, I, I don't even have money myself. And he's saying, I'm telling you, trust me. And you give like he tells you, and all of a sudden, your need was met. Everything that looks like it's the opposite, that's how God seems to operate. Me, 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 me is what the world's telling us. And God's saying, him, 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 him. We have a great mission. We have a great job to do. And it's not to tell everybody how they're wrong. Our job is to show other people the love of God. It's to go into all nations and make disciples. We don't want people just to say, hey, I'm a follower of Christ. We want them to show it in their actions as well. We want to see a change. But we can't see that change in them if we're not changed ourselves. So I want to encourage you today. You may not feel like your testimony is growing, but it is. You may not feel like your answer to prayer has happened, and maybe you're starting to lose faith and you're starting to lose hope. I want to encourage you, stay in there, stay the course. God is still God today. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's the same God that provided healing then, and he's the same God that will provide healing today, the same God that will provide healing in the future. You continue to ask him for your healing, but don't stop ministering to others. God is with us. You've been listening to Sunday Sermons from Southside Christian Fellowship Church, a place where you are loved, accepted, and received, a place of healing, a place of prayer, a place of hope. We invite you to join us this Sunday and every Sunday. For service times, location, and other information about the church, please visit our website at southsidechristianfellowship.net. Again, that's southsidechristianfellowship.net. As we wrap up today's message, we would like to once again thank you for listening. We would like to also have Papa Herman, an elder at Southside, to speak a Father's blessing over you. May the Lord bless and keep you, that he would cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you, that the Lord would lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you his peace. And remember that the Lord's favor is with you all the time. Expect it. It is with you. It's manifesting itself to you. It will overtake you no matter where you are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.